Welcome to Meals for Maturity, Bible talks to help you mature as a follower of Jesus, by Pastor Dom Fiocco. If you have some sort of job, you'd know the phrase, had a bad day at the office. Now, of course, you don't need an office job to understand that, had a bad day at the office. Working in the medical field, a patient might be a real pain as you give them pain or seek to relieve them of it, and you come home and you say, had a just had a bad day at the office. Working in the field, your tractor breaks down, it's harvest time, had a bad day at the office. Trying to get an assignment submitted, but your AISA stands for awful and incompetent. Working in your trade, your apprentice accidentally takes your new $2,000 drill kit and cements it in under the hot water system that's been installed upside down. Had a bad day at the office. They might be, that might be what Moses says to God when he rests his head at night after the initial start of their wilderness wanderings. Dear Lord, had a bad day at the office. Do I really need to keep leading this rabble? We're in the book of Numbers. And finally, after six Bible talks and ten chapters and lots of counting and looking at clouds and listening for trumpets, finally, Moses and the people of Israel are about to set out on their journey to the land of Canaan that's been promised to them ever since Abraham heard the kids' song, Father Abraham sung ad nauseum, way back in Genesis chapter 12. So finally, Hannah's going to start to read the start of our wilderness wanderings after hearing this great line of chapter 10, verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Numbers chapter 10, verses 11 to 13. In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. Nineteen days after the census and the numbering of Numbers chapter 1 verse 1, we now move into the second stage of our travel itinerary. So remember the Lonely Planet Guide to the 36 chapters of Numbers. Our GPS, or rather God's cloud by day and fire by night, moves us now from Mount Sinai. We've been there for 11 months since Exodus 19. We now go to Kadesh Barnea and then into the Sinai Desert. You can grab a Bible atlas or map if you want to see more detail. And in the passage Hannah just read, things go rather well. If you're English, they go rather swimmingly. It's been a good day at the office. Moses and the twelve tribes of Israel, all counted and ready, start out well on their journey. We even read the pleasant words, verse 13. They set out for the first time, presumably after hearing the trumpet sound, they set out at the command of the Lord by Moses. In verse 33, the Ark of the Covenant went before them three days' journey, and the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. So Israel's doing what God has commanded them. They are trusting and obeying. They're following God's orders across their various tribes in verses 14 and following. God's presence, his providence is over the people of God. That's three Ps. The cloud reminds them of this and also the Ark of the Covenant. See, God's grace is present with these visible symbols of his faithfulness. God's saying to his people via the cloud and the ark, you know, don't look anywhere else. Keep your eyes focused on me. Put your hope in my word, in my commands. So chapter 10, 
good beginnings to their journey. Good day at the office for Moses' office of prophet and shepherd over Israel. Let's hear what happens next. Numbers chapter 11 verses 1 to 6. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortune. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So chapter 10, all very exciting, all ready to go with God in this travel journey. Chapter 11, verse 1, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. So here's the start of many bad days at the office for Moses. He will need a 1-800 number set up for a complaints department. Press number three to complain about your diet. Press number four to complain about your water. Press five if you wish to complain about your sandals. Press six to complain about your kids complaining. Press seven for all other complaints and whinges and discomforts. Your call is important to us. Please stay on the line and don't complain about the four-hour hold music by the Bangles. They were good in the 80s. What we don't quite realise at the start of chapter 11 is that it's three days into their journey. Three days! Remember, they've just spent 400 years in captivity in the land of Egypt. And now three days into their travel plans... And the people of God are falling apart, complaining, grumbling, murmuring to Moses, which means God is hearing them loud and clear. Their complaint here in verse 1 seems to be the general hardship, discomfort that they're facing as they set out on this journey. And across verses 1 to 3, we get the first of many patterns across the book of Numbers. The people complain, God hears them. In his holy anger, he judges them. The people then cry out to Moses, Moses prays for them, intercedes, mediates on their behalf, and then God in his grace withdraws his punishment. You find a similar pattern, of course, in the book of Judges. But then verse 4, the people, or the rabble as they're called here, start out again and they phone the complaints department. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic... But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. They're singing Keith Green's song, We Want to Go Back to Egypt. Now in verse 4, we learn their complaining is about food, especially their diet of manna, this bread-like substance that God is miraculously providing for them. You might recall a similar whinging story about a year earlier in Exodus chapter 16. But here in Numbers 11, they don't complain about the lack of food, but what's on the menu six days a week in the desert. It's a complaint about the lack of variety. And so they dream about the good old days of Egyptian all-you-can-eat buffets, Egyptian takeaways with the smell of garlic staying in your beard for at least a week. They dream of Egyptian Uber deliveries of your fruit and veg and fish. Who could ever forget the fish? Amazingly, they even have the nerve to say, 
and law cost nothing in Egypt. Did they forget the cost? It was called slavery. By verse 10 of this complaint story, it starts to catch on. And Moses decides it's his turn to have a whinge before God. So he complains to God about the burden of leadership he's under. His bad day at the office is continuing. So Moses gives up in verse 10. We might say he spits the dummy. He's full of self-pity. And effectively he says to God, God, I'd rather die than to carry on as a failure. Now Moses won't be the only Old Testament guy to express these sentiments. Think of Elijah or Jonah. God, why don't you just take my life away now? But Moses misses the point, you see. It's the Lord God who leads and provides for his people. It's not Moses. It's never the so-called great ones across the Old Testament who do the saving or redeeming or rescuing or winning across the various Old Testament stories. Yes, God might use human instruments, a Gideon, a Samson, an Esther, a Mordecai, a King David and a Slingshot, a Jonah even. But it's the Lord God who remains our salvation, our deliverer, our rock. Just read the book of Psalms and you'll see that theme over and over again. So before God deals with the food complaint of his people, he kindly addresses Moses' self-pity and he provides a perfect solution to the burden Moses is under. And in verses 16 to 30, we have this section of 70 elders appointed by God and given access to the Holy Spirit to assist Moses leading God's people through the wilderness. Once more, you see, the kindness of God is shown in his patience and in, in his provision. Now, there's lots going on in this section about 70 elders. It's a great story. Uh, but I want to pick up on what happens at the end of this. So let's hear Hannah read. And I want you to listen out for verse 28, where we have a young Joshua, Moses' assistant, also having a little whinge. So the complaining, you see, is catching on. Numbers chapter 11, verses 26 to 30. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. So they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. So along comes Joshua, and he complains to Moses about a couple of guys who seem to slip in through the back door, as it were, and they still receive God's spirit, and they start prophesying away. But then we have this great line by Moses that gets echoed all the way down until we get to the New Testament. Verse 29, But Moses said to Joshua, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And if you know your day of Pentecost story, you'd know when Moses' wish gets fulfilled by God himself. Remember Peter's sermon and right at the end, those who are like the good soil cry out to Peter, what must we do with this gospel message you've just preached to us, Pete? And we read Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You see, it takes the gospel breakthrough for Numbers 11 verse 29 to be fulfilled and all of God's people will now have the Lord's Spirit upon them. Well, back to the main complaint by God's people earlier of their lack of variety in their diet. They complain about their stomachs, but it's directly aimed at their salvation. By complaining, they're quick to forget their deliverance out of Egypt from slavery and into freedom. And so we have in verses 31 to 35, God's response to their complaining. And he sends lots of quail to satisfy their desires, their cravings for meat or something other than manna burgers. And what we have recorded is the worst possible punishment God can dish out, pardon the pun, and that is to give people over to what they crave for or what they desire. We hear echoes across Romans chapter 1 of this judgment process by God. Romans 1 verse 24, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. The lesson is to be the lesson for us is to be very careful about about what we wish God to do. Don't ask God for what we deserve. Instead, plead for his mercy in Christ day after day. In Numbers 11, verse 33, we read this tragic verse, while the meat, that is the little birdie, while it was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Basically, they seemed to choke on their food, or maybe the bird feathers, or maybe this was an early case of bird flu. Eventually, this place, verse 34, is named Graves of Craving. It's interesting that in Psalm 78 and Psalm 105, we read that the quail is actually a blessing to those who do not complain, but it's a judgment for those who do. Okay, one final story, which is linked to all the complaining going on. Into chapter 12, we find Miriam and Aaron phoning up the complaints department. But this time they need a new number to press. Press number eight if you wish to complain about why Moses is the designated leader. The great commentator Matthew Henry writes, This passage reminds us that even in the best persons and families, there are both follies and crosses. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron spoke out against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, verse 2, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? So Moses and his brother, Moses' brother and sister have a whinge about their sister-in-law, some Cushite woman. We don't know what this is really all about. Maybe the Cushites don't make soft enough cushions. Or maybe she burnt the manna toast too many times for Aaron and Miriam's liking. We're not told what starts the whinge off. But we are told that Moses' Cushite wife is not really the issue. For these siblings of Moses, the true reason comes out in verse 2. How come Moses 
you get to be the star player across the camp. God can speak through us as well. I mean, Aaron the high priest is nothing to sneeze at. Why are you big noting yourself, Moses? Well, for a start, he's not. It's God, remember, who's picked Moses out. Remember back to Exodus uh, chapter 3 and the non-burning, burning bush story? It's Yahweh all along who has chosen Moses to be his humble servant and leader over all Israel. Verse 7 in this chapter, God tells Aaron and, Aaron and Miriam that Moses is a faithful servant over my house. And then we read that God punishes this complaint episode by striking Miriam with leprosy. We're not told why Aaron is spared, possibly because he's the high priest and having him isolate will create all sorts of dilemmas across the camp. So maybe it's an act of grace, sparing Aaron and therefore the entire nation. In any case, we find Aaron interceding to Moses to plead before God. So his actions actually betray what he's complaining about, you see. Oh, Moses, plead with God to spare our sister. And so Moses does. And after a period of seven days spent outside the camp, Miriam is healed and restored back to the family and to the people of God. At the start of our journey across chapters 11 to 12, we've heard lots of complaints phoned through. Complaining about general hardships three days into the journey. Complaining about the lack of variety on the menu. Moses complains about his loneliness in leadership. Joshua complains about Moses and his complaining. And then we have complaining about Moses' leadership. It really has been a bad day at the office for Moses. Well, a couple of clear applications for us. And yet again, we get our cues from the New Testament writers. These chapters are really showing us that complaining can be like an infectious disease. Israel can be heard singing along to the Beach Boys, for those old enough to remember Sloop John B. The poor cook, he caught the fits and threw away all my grits, and then he took and he ate up all my corn. Let me go home. Maybe back to Egypt. Why don't they let me go home? This is the worst trip I've ever been on. See, Israel is three days into their journey and they're singing as they're sinning. This is the worst trip we've ever been on. See, when it comes to church life and God's people many centuries later, complaining can spread rather quickly, can't it? I mean, just like in the book of Numbers, complaining, murmuring, grumbling among God's people can actually have a devastating impact upon church life. When one member seems to complain about something in church life, it sometimes spreads like measles. But thankfully, God doesn't strike down his grumbling people, usually, today, with leprosy. Or thankfully, he doesn't make us choke on our morning tea at cafe time. Philippians chapter 2 is our antidote to a complaining spirit among God's family. And Philippians 2, of course, pointing us again to Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, shining as lights in the world. And earlier, you might remember in Philippians chapter 2, we've been given the model of our Lord Jesus, his humility, his other person-centeredness, his desire for church unity. 
And remember back to 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul picks up on various stories in Numbers and he tells us, chapter 10, verse 6, 1 Corinthians, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire, or the word is crave, evil as they did. And then verse 10, Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 reminds us, really, we are the same sinners and we need the same saviour as the people in the wilderness did. And being found in Christ means we are to realise that God provides our daily bread and we really don't have much reason to complain when we understand the blessings that are ours in the gospel. And thinking and looking to Jesus in light of this complaints department story across numbers gives us this great contrast. The contrast, of course, is of another Israelite who goes into the wilderness, a symbolic 40 days, but he comes out with favour and approval of his heavenly father. For here is an Israelite who obeys God's commands and fulfils all of God's laws, and there is no slander or deceit or complaining or grumbling ever found on his lips. Instead, just perfect obedience and confidence in the promises of God. In fact, the Lord Jesus will go on to say, Mankind does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And God's word is like manna from heaven. In fact, we're told Jesus is this manna from heaven who will feed us daily and satisfy the deepest cravings of your heart and mine. And Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 remind us, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And remember, this faithful son breathes his spirit upon all of God's people, not just Moses and the 70 others. By God's Spirit at work in you, may you remain faithful, persevering and pressing on in your journey, fixing our eyes on our one true mediator who provides all that we need for life and godliness this side of eternity. Thanks for listening to Meals for Maturity. Keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.